Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, a union of professionals standing with more than 600,000 workers in education, human services, and health care with the Our Voice, Our Values, Our Union campaign. And United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. The New York State Legislature this week held the first of two hearings on the thousands of COVID-19 deaths among nursing home residents. Questions to Governor Andrew Cuomo's Health Commissioner, Dr. Howard Zucker, focused on a controversial March 25th directive that required nursing homes to take back COVID-positive patients from hospitals. The Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt reports. Commissioner Zucker began his testimony by repeating the results of a recent study released by the Health Department. It determined that the virus was actually brought into the homes earlier than previously thought, in late February, by asymptomatic staff and visitors. He points to data that shows the disease peaked in nursing homes on April 8th, but did not reach its high point in hospitals until April 14th, one week later. It is unfortunate, it is sad, but it is true. 98% of nursing homes already have COVID in their nursing homes, and those are the facts. Critics have said that the study lacks a key data point, though, the number of nursing home residents who died of coronavirus while they were in the hospital. They say without that information, it's not possible to determine whether the report's conclusion is true and if the over 6,500 nursing home deaths reported so far could actually be much higher. Senator James Skoufis, who chairs the Committee on Investigations and Government Operations, asked Dr. Zucker if he could provide those numbers. Are we talking with the hospital deaths 8,000, 10,000, 15,000? Zucker answered that he's not ready to do so yet. I'm not prepared to give you a specific number. We are in the middle of the pandemic, obviously. We always forget about that sometimes. Uh, We are looking at all the numbers. We are looking at data. When the data comes in and I have an opportunity uh, to... Uh, tease through that, uh, then I will be happy to provide that data to you and to the other members of the committee. Skoufis says he's puzzled that the numbers are not yet available. After seeing Zucker participate in several months of daily coronavirus briefings with Governor Cuomo that emphasized their reliance on science and data. It perplexes me that in an administration that has prided itself, and rightfully so, over these past five months for making data-driven decisions, that you don't have this fundamental information. Senate Health Committee Chair Gustavo Rivera questioned Zucker about the early days of the pandemic, when the health department was reporting the number of nursing home resident deaths due to the virus in the hospital. That policy was later reversed. There was, at a point at the beginning of the pandemic, patients who were nursing home patients who were admitted to hospitals who died were counted towards the deaths of that nursing home. And then at one point, you stopped doing that. Is that correct or incorrect? Zucker told Rivera that the state stopped counting the nursing home residents who died of the virus in the hospitals because health officials worried that they would mistakenly be counted twice. The issue here is that someone comes in and the worry is that you will end up counting them twice. You'll count them as nursing home, you'll count them in a hospital. Rivera was not convinced. Nobody says that you went into these nursing homes and threw people off a flight of stairs. But we are saying that to be able to, moving forward, If we want to get clear information, we need to get clear information so that we can make better policy. And it seems to me that at the definition that you're insisting on keeping on the books 
is one that no other state utilizes and that it makes you look better than what y'all did when y'all actually did, that's a problem, bro. Zucker answered that the administration has been incredibly transparent throughout its reporting on the coronavirus pandemic. Republicans on the committees, who are in the minority parties in both houses, say they're dissatisfied with what they call Zucker's empty testimony. They called on the Democratic majority to allow them to use subpoena powers to get more answers. The hearings continued throughout the day Monday. They'll include a second day of testimony on August 10th. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustinum. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartok. Alan, this week you spoke with the head of United University Professions. His name is Fred Cole. The issue, of course, is we're on the cusp of colleges coming back in some form. Obviously, there are many courses that will be run fully online by admission. I teach a course at UAlbany. It will be asynchronous, completely online, but there will be staff on campus. There will be some classes on campus, students, some will be coming back. The issues with the pandemic are multiple, and Cole comes down on this. If we can't get the funding to operate at this time, we're only going to help spread the virus. Well, first of all, let's make a couple of points. One, you did your disclosure that you're a teacher in SUNY. I want to make it clear that we are grateful the UUP is an underwriter on WAMC. Okay. Now, with that said, he, Cole, is a representative of the professors and the other people that they represent who aren't professors at the university. And, of course, he's going to do what they want, and what they want is to be safe. The nurses want to be safe in the hospitals. The professors want to be safe at the university. The teachers want to be safe, you know, in the school systems that they're in, and everybody's making that argument. Hey, look, every time they try to open a school, they find a kid who has COVID, and then they have to close up and the rest. We have a reality. The reality is that this virus is here, that if we do, we're not careful, uh, we're going to get creamed by it. A lot of people say, but I want to go back. I want to go to the theater. I want to go to a concert. Yeah, I get that. But the reason they're all closed up is they know very well that they don't want to be responsible for keeping this thing going. And until we have that vaccine, we're losing time, and it's horrible. But what are the choices? Are the choices to go get infected and, in some cases, die? That is something that really is Cole's job, to represent his people and to say, we don't want to go back unless it's safe. Well, it isn't safe. And New York and many other states just sitting like targets for unemployment and homelessness and the spreading of the virus without the HEROES Act being passed in Washington. And of course, we now hear that the president is talking about executive action, but people are now suffering. Well, his executive action obviously has limits on what he can do. There is always the courts that people can go to. We now have the first hint from the Supreme Court that he is not above the law. Nevertheless, the people sitting on the court, particularly John Roberts, very important to look at, believe in a strong executive. And to some degree, he could probably get away with some of it. 
On the other hand, they need the Congress. They need the Congress in order to make a deal. They need the Congress in order to go forward. From Andrew Cuomo's point of view, if I don't get money from the federal government, there's going to be chaos in New York, and there'll be 20% cuts across the board. Teachers, students, instead of 30 people in a class, you may have 50 at a time when you really ought to have great separation between students and staff and the rest. So it is certainly on this very political Trump's mind that if you don't give the money to the states, especially the states which are led by blue leaders, in other words, Democrats, you really are in better shape politically than if you did. I don't really believe that. I think if he acted like a president and did what was good for everybody, it would redound to his benefit. But I'm sure this is what he's thinking. Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartok. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Well, as college campuses are set to welcome back college students in New York before the end of the month, they'll have a host of new rules in place to prevent the spread of COVID-19. At Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, students will return on a staggered basis beginning August 15th. The Legislative Gazette's Allison Dunn spoke with Vassar President Dr. Elizabeth Bradley about the coming fall semester. Just a few students and staff have remained on the Vassar campus since the switch to remote learning in March. Now, with health and safety protocols in place, Vassar has planned for an in-person return, though remote learning is an option. Bradley, who serves on Governor Andrew Cuomo's New York Forward Advisory Board to help with the state's reopening, says Vassar's requirements include social distancing, mask wearing, testing, and more. Students who live on campus will have to sign a community care pledge. Bradley, who also is a global health expert, addresses how the rules will be enforced. Maybe just stepping back for a moment to look at what really do we know from the literature about best practices in getting people to adhere to a new habit, to form a new habit. And really what our literature would say is the most important thing is that the community supports it, that it's something that people are doing as part of community care, which is very different from punishment or, you know, police enforcement, which we've seen in so many contexts backfire. And on a college campus, we have the opportunity to really say this is part of how we care for each other. So it begins with the pledge. Um, but then it also begins with a lot of communications. Um, we're trying to develop a culture and a practice in which somebody sees someone without a mask, they say, hey, you forgot your mask. And the person who didn't have the mask goes, oh, thanks for reminding me. I mean, imagine if we had a world like that where we were each holding each other, we're counting on each other to help each other adhere to standards that keep us all healthy. And I think on a relatively small campus um, of students looking to learn, this is a new opportunity to learn that value. And it's really a value of interconnectedness and how we can live together in a healthier life. So that's really our approach. We will, for sure, do a lot of education, restorative practices. Ultimately, if someone is flouting these protocols and just ignoring them, um, we do have other opportunities. For instance, we can ask students to, now you have to leave the campus and study remote. Uh, or we could ask that of faculty and administrators to say, actually, if you can't live by these rules, you can do your work remotely. So let's go that way. 
So those are the different tools I think we have to be able to use. And I was just hoping you could summarize what the campus will look like when classes are underway. You know, I've, I want to make sure that my information is accurate about perhaps some outdoor classes under tents, uh, you know, what the capacity will look like, the dorms, et cetera. Yeah. We anticipate that once classes are underway in September, some classes will be held inside, but the density of those classrooms will be low. Uh, and everybody will have six feet between themselves and anybody else, and all the faculty and students will be in masks. We also anticipate there'll be classrooms outside, uh, under tents, just as you said. We anticipate the dining hall will be completely grab-and-go. Um, people will come in one door, walk around all the different places where they can pick up food, and walk out the other door to a tented area where, of course, they can eat by themselves, but if they want to be a little bit more social, again, six feet apart, under a tent, outside, we'll have space for that. In terms of the dormitories, uh, we will have a lower density of students than we normally do because we have made it completely um, optional to go remote, and there are many students who prefer remote for all kinds of reasons, parents, etc. So I anticipate that um, we're not sure totally right now, but perhaps 2,000 students will be here, 1,800, 2,000, and probably another 400 will be remote. Uh, so the dormitories will be more likely to be doubles and singles. You know, we won't have the larger rooms, and uh, clearly that will probably help us having the density a little bit lower. One other thing that's really important about our campus, you know, Vassar and I care very deeply about our relationship with Arlington and the town of Poughkeepsie, and we have so many programs and exchanges back and forth. But at this time, we really need to draw a boundary around our campus, and that's for the health of the community, that as we're bringing back up to 2,000 students who come from all over, we want to be sure that we protect our town. And so the students, once they're on campus, have to stay on campus. They're not allowed to leave. And we're going to ask non-essential visitors to not come to campus. Um, this is just for everybody's safety, so we don't be, we're not passing things back and forth. Once we know that we're settled and, you know, we have very few cases and we're ready to go, then we will open up. Again, students will have to stay on campus. They cannot leave, but we will open up where I'm sure there'll be a few more dog walkers that come back onto our campus and whatnot eventually. But for this first August and the beginning of September, we're going to really try to, um, if you will, separate for a moment physically from the businesses around us. We will, however, um, because we're so interested in keeping these relationships strong, and our students love the food and drink all around our campus, so we will be purchasing and um, patronizing the businesses in our area and bringing that uh, materials to campus, just not going to have our students leave the premises. Bradley has written an opening editorial to a study just published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Open Network about the safety of reopening colleges during COVID-19. You can find a link to her editorial and part one of this interview at WAMC.org. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Allison Dunn. Meanwhile, SUNY Plattsburgh issued its fall 2020 restart plan. The 68-page document outlines physical and procedural changes the college has implemented to make the campus safer for students, faculty, and staff during the COVID-19 pandemic. The plan says the college is working toward a blended academic delivery model. College President Dr. Alexander Agnetti tells the Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley when college officials began working on the plan, they knew having a regular face-to-face -face semester would be impossible. Dr. Agnetti, the college here at Plattsburgh is also making physical changes 
to what I believe I've heard you call it COVID capacity. Can you describe some of the physical changes that you're making? Sure. And uh, the, the term COVID capacity or meets COVID capacity is predicated on the understanding that we will adhere to local health department guidelines and the CDC guidelines in terms of spacing between individuals in a in a specific space. And so our facilities department has done an incredible amount of work um, the past two months to visit every classroom space, do measurements, and remove furniture, chairs, to ensure that when that classroom is used, that every student and the faculty member is going to be appropriately spaced apart from each other. So there's been that aspect of infrastructure uh, modifications have been going on. In open spaces that aren't used for instruction, for example, gathering areas, we have been physically removing chairs, and if things are, you know, attached to the floor, those things have been removed as well, so that now we have the capacity to say that those spaces meet the COVID uh, requirements for social distancing and and, and staying apart. Um, Some of the other infrastructure changes that have occurred, we have upgraded our filtration systems on campus. It exceeds the recommended filtration capacity for air handling and air circulation. In addition to that, we are actually building uh, two small rooms adjacent to the health clinic that will help us with triage and um, meeting with potential uh, student patients who may present with, uh, with COVID symptoms. Another activity that's occurred has been a tremendous amount of signage that's been applied to campus. And I think the last modification that we've had, it's more of a policy modification. We have instituted a new policy with respect to face masks and social distancing. Uh, the face mask policy is Pretty simple. If you're inside a building here on campus, you will be required to maintain your face mask up at all times. And that, in, that includes whether you're um, in, inside a classroom or in a food service area. So when it does come to masks, how does that work in residence halls? The moment you step through the threshold of your door, your mask must be up. Well, Dr. Agnetti, you're overseeing a youthful population that tends to uh, either in the past they've believed they can't get the virus. We've heard about parties challenging others to get the virus. You know, they're in an age group that can be challenging at times. What do you expect from the students this fall? Do you think they'll take it seriously, or do you think there will be problems enforcing use of masks or social distancing? We've actually, you know, thought about that to a great deal on campus. And one of the um, opportunities that we've got right now, and we're taking advantage of that opportunity, is to provide some some messaging and education to our students about the critical importance of adhering to these very straightforward policies of wearing your mask, ensuring that you're social distancing, um, limiting your time in large groups, and certainly not gathering in, in large groups. And we've created the Cardinal Pledge. And the Cardinal Pledge is, again, another um, mechanism that we provide to students to just keep at the forefront the importance of just following these straightforward guidelines. And if we all work together, and we are together in this, we can have a successful semester. A phased-in return of SUNY Plattsburgh students begins on August 18th, and classes start August 24th. An extended conversation with college president Dr. Alexander Agnetti is available on the WAMC News podcast. 
For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley. listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustinum. Well, as COVID cases continue to spike across the country, cities across New York and in particular the Capital Region are bracing for the return of college students this month. The Legislative Gazette's Jesse King has that perspective. As COVID-19 cases continue to spike across the country, cities in the Capital Region are bracing for the return of college students this month. I'm Jesse King reporting for WAMC. Tessa Sutherland is getting ready for her junior year at the University at Albany. A documentary studies major, her semesters are typically filled with hands-on production classes and work with the student newspaper, the Albany Student Press. She planned on living off campus with her friends this year, but now thanks to COVID-19, she's hoping to escape her lease and find housing elsewhere. I've been taking COVID very seriously because my mom um, is recovering from cancer and I've been taking care of my grandma and I've had a problem with roommates who obviously haven't been taking it as seriously as me. A lot of people are feeling, I think, a certain type of way with the way their friends are handling this or not handling this. I felt like I needed to leave that situation. Like some locals, Sutherland is nervous about whether her peers will actually comply with health and safety protocols this fall. Over the past few months, younger people have increasingly become the main drivers of the pandemic. A 4th of July party with over 200 guests on Albany's Hudson Avenue sparked at least 46 cases in Albany County. So the wild card that is student behavior has had some campus leaders on the defense as they game out the fall semester. Siena College President Chris Gibson says international and at-risk out-of-state students will move in first to complete a 14-day quarantine, but all students must get tested prior to returning to the private campus in Loudonville. They're also required to sign a pledge to follow the school's masking and social distancing protocols, avoid parties, and properly wash their hands. You know, somebody, if there's a marijuana infraction or some kind of substance abuse, there are sanctions that go along with this. And it's the same with this. This is part of the code now. We're going to use that hearing process, that boarding process, and it will be enforced. UAlbany plans to similarly enforce its own health and safety protocols. Sutherland, like most students, has been asked to self-quarantine for 14 days before returning to campus and come with proof of a recent negative COVID-19 test. Both schools say the campuses themselves will look very different. Sports are canceled across the board for the fall, dining halls will likely favor to-go containers over lunch trays, and students will be discouraged from lounging together on the quad. However, UAlbany Dean of Students Clarence McNeil says that doesn't mean the campus will be less active. Clubs, organizations, and communities have followed most classes and moved online. I think that we will see that we could actually come together and navigate in this space effectively while not losing that sense of friendship and camaraderie and being a member of a broader community, whether that's a Greek community, whether it's in a student organization or club, but we must each individually accept responsibility for doing our part. UAlbany President Havadon Rodriguez says more than half of the fall's classes will take place online. Sutherland doesn't expect to leave her apartment much at all, considering only one of her classes plans to meet in person and part-time at that. So why do it? Why bring everybody back? 
McNeil says maintaining a sense of community and normalcy for students is important, but like many businesses right now, colleges and universities across the country are feeling the squeeze. A recent analysis by a New York University professor suggested two private institutions in the capital region, the Sage Colleges in Troy and Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, may not survive the pandemic, which Skidmore disputes. Albany's College of St. Rose, already facing a funding shortfall before COVID-19, plans to cut even more faculty after eliminating 70 positions earlier this year. At a recent state Senate hearing, SUNY Chief Operating Officer Robert Megna estimated the system lost anywhere from $800 million to $1 billion over COVID-19 this spring, due to room and board refunds and a general decline in enrollment. While state officials weigh whether to open primary schools in September, United University Professions Union President Fred Cole says the debate in higher education isn't should we so much as how should we. Because we have a model in New York State and in most states now where so much of the cost of public higher education is paid by student tuition and fees, let's remember fees, that there's a need for students to be on campus for financial reasons. The problem is If there is a shutdown again, it will cause financially devastating impacts on SUNY. UUP is calling on SUNY to require surveillance testing for COVID-19 throughout the semester, in addition to baseline testing at the door. Some private colleges are going that route. Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy particularly cranks it up a notch by not only pushing for continuous testing, but preparing to start the semester in quarantine if needed and asking students to keep a daily log of their whereabouts for contact tracers, just in case. UAlbany President Rodriguez says the campus, which was converted into a drive-through testing site at the height of the pandemic, will provide testing for students as needed throughout the semester. He says the school has a number of contingency plans if anyone tests positive for COVID-19, but ultimately the success of the semester depends on cooperation. We do not want to shut down the university again, but trust me, if needed, we will. And so this is not only uh, institutional responsibility, this is incumbent upon each and every individual that walks into our three campuses to ensure that we're protecting the health and well-being of our campus community. Sutherland agrees, and personal anxieties aside, she feels pretty good about the way UAlbany is handling things. While she won't let the pandemic stop her from enjoying the reopening, she plans to take every precaution possible. I couldn't imagine doing something like going to see a friend in like a group and then getting COVID and then spreading it to my roommate who... You know, they didn't go to that and they don't really deserve to have it. Like, they've taken all the precautions. I would feel so bad. Classes at UAlbany and Siena College are getting an early start on August 24th, with both schools planning to send students home for the year by Thanksgiving. Reporting from Albany, I'm Jesse King. And that about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. That's 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2032. Or just listen or podcast on the web at wamc.org. And join us again next week at this same time for more news on New York State government and politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustina.